Welcome to Matters of Experience, a podcast produced by Laura Mipsum, an experience design company headquartered right here in New York City. Our podcast explores the creativity, innovation, and psychology driving designed experiences and encounters. If you're new, a hearty welcome to you and to our regular listeners. Thanks for tuning in and supporting our conversation. My name is Abigail Honor. Hello, this is Brenda Cowan. We would first like to share a note from today's show sponsor, POW. This is Paul Orselli, Chief Instigator at POW, Paul Orselli Workshop, and we're delighted to sponsor this episode of the podcast. Please check out our website at www.orselli.net for more information about our work, as well as free resources and articles. Thanks. So today, Brenda, I'm really excited we're going to focus on emotion. So for example, designing for emotional experiences in exhibitions and interpretive spaces. And the next, maybe looking at emotion in the creative process. So we have a very big agenda here today. And you came into the studio this morning filled with emotion about a very blustery sounding day that's very busy and you're operating very quickly and you clearly are in a heightened state of intense emotion, but we will try and make that a positive emotion. We well, will wait a minute, you mean go. all my years of acting, my acting career, oh. you know, my mom is a drama teacher, I couldn't hide how intense I was feeling this morning. <laughs> I was also being very kind, so, <laughs> which we're going to talk about because uh, a little bit later on in this particular program, we're going to talk about how it is that we who work with creative teams and work with others, how it is that we can manage emotions and manage scenarios for people. So, Understanding emotions is a complex field of study. And in preparation for looking at this, I was looking up some of my favorite resources, including the work of Pablo Tinio, who works at the Creativity and Aesthetics Lab at Montclair State University. He does work with the study of emotions and how it is that emotions are some of the very least understood aspects of human experiences, but some of the most talked about. So understanding, thinking about emotions, it's a lot to ask of ourselves as designers, even as co-workers and definitely as visitors in storytelling environments. But it's really important. And the better that we can think about, plan for, anticipate, learn from and listen to other people's emotional experiences, the better we're going to be able to do things like prompt curiosity, encourage deep engagement and participation, understand responses and behaviors, build empathy, and even communicate content. Thinking back about one of the projects that we did for the Jewish Museum in Moscow, it was all about Stalinist period after World War II and the anti-Semitic repressions. And so this was an exhibition within the museum at large. And the topic itself sort of immediately suggests an emotional response, right? It's horrifying. It's a tra series of tragic events. So emotion in a way is on the surface. So the task really for us was not to lose it, not to try to hide behind the factual side of the story, but rather find a way of focusing that emotional response, which is tricky. And it can often become all consuming especially into specific moments as you take viewers through these strong emotions step by step. So our friend and earlier podcast visitor, Ellen Lupton, she provides a brilliant example of how to plan for emotional arc in storytelling environments. She talks about emotion mapping, where you can map out high and low elements in an exhibition, such as experiences that build anticipation, then deeply engaging dramatic moments, 
maybe this is with experiencing stuff like dramatic scale or a rarity or the exposure of a mystery, deep multisensory engagement. Then there are things like moments of challenges in the exhibition needing to be overcome. And by challenges, that could be within the content, maybe some difficult content, or when it looks like there's no resolution or we're not sure what's going to happen. There could be an obstruction in the story that is addressed and hopefully resolved, or maybe not, if intended. But then there are emotional moments of reflection, of calm, of pause and rest, which, in my experience, can oftentimes be overlooked. So I really want to emphasize that when you're doing emotion planning and emotion mapping, really thinking about, okay, if you're bringing people through a really profound emotional arc, are you enabling folks to digest, to pause, to reflect? The exhibition story as well should have moments of achievement or the journey's end. And all of these different elements, they impact how we design the flow of the space, the composition or incorporation of critical objects, engaging designed elements, and the changes of pace in the visitor, right? Completely, completely agree. I remember we did a project uh, called the Zoya Museum, and it was essentially a story of a late teen who was excited to leave high school and ready to go to university, and then World War II broke out. They all get enlisted, and then after three days of learning, you know, how to be a soldier, they're out there fighting against the Nazis. Um, She's eventually caught on a mission one of the first few days when 98% of these kids were caught and killed within the first few days because they had no experience. So we were charged with telling this woman's story. And the story starts with that anticipation. It actually starts with looking at what her life was like, what she was learning at school, the same things everybody was learning at school. And so you look and feel how she felt. And then the story and the emotion changes to the challenges and all the things that she was taught over these three days, the challenge, the mission she was sent on, what she underwent during this mission in the snow, trudging, how she tried to complete her mission, and ultimately how she was caught and died. Um, And then within there, there are dramatic moments where we reveal what was happening with the tank battle around her. And so there's definitely that anticipation, the challenges she faced, the dramatic moments, the actual war, and then that reflection This is a very hard, tough story. Her story is very hard to Mm -hmm, swallow. It's hard to see. It was a museum made for teenagers. And so we had built in, when we designed the space, a central atrium, which was for repose and reflection, a place where you could sit on your own and a place where you could come together as a group. And it was really important when we designed this space that at every moment throughout the story, the visitor has access to it. Because you never know what it is that's going to push somebody over the edge who needs to then go and reflect or what's going to particularly resonate with that visitor and they'll need that space. Or if you're bringing through groups of school children, enabling the docent or the teacher to be able to take those kids all out together at the exact moments they need that to be able to have that quiet. And we purposefully designed it using very organic, earthy materials so that it was a place that felt cozy and warm and comforting, yet simple. There was no more imagery in there at all, nothing. So people could just take the time they needed. And then at the end, you were talking about this idea of, well, I'll turn it into that idea of the achievement. And in this case, it was about sharing 
we're always thinking that it's this conversation. It's not one way from the museum to the visitor. It has to be the visitor giving back and sharing and being involved with the story. And so at the end, there's an opportunity for people, for these teenagers, to share their family's war story and become part of this narrative. And often the narrative turns then to hope and what they have now because of their ancestors that they might not have had. So it does end on a very happy, peaceful um, note, um, but there are moments of definitely deep, deep sadness and shock. There's a lot of shocking imagery in there as well. You know, understanding visitor emotional experiences, it's so critical. And learning how to evaluate or measure impacts of existing spaces can aid us in more deeply understanding how to design for emotion. And this is where, back to Pablo Tinio's work, he talks about creating heat maps where visitors can reflect on an experience and identify hotter and cooler areas of intensity throughout their experiences. So if you are interviewing or surveying visitors about their exhibition experience in, say, like a summative style evaluation, they can design their responses not even necessarily in words or language, which sometimes can be difficult, but they can identify, like I said, these hotter areas, these cooler areas, and really talk about the nature of the emotional experiences it enables visitors to share from an emotional perspective so that we really understand where is it that we even hit the mark in terms of our intentions when we are going through the initial process. Thinking about the content and the story you're trying to tell is one path. Parallel to that needs to be the emotions you're trying to convey or elicit. So it starts with that big picture. Immediately, when we know the top-line story of an exhibition, we can think of two to three overarching emotional responses or outcomes. That's how we think about it. And then next comes the breakdown of the story into the storylines or the chapters. And then along with that content, each story block has an emotional response that we need to orchestrate. Then come the specific design decisions. And again, we always ask the question, how does this installational program fit into our emotional story? And your you're right. I'm going to use a very humble example that some people will cringe at. But you think of when you go to Disney, if you've ever been to Disney, and there's moments of huge, huge joy. And then you have to walk to the next moment of huge, huge joy. And it's so, the walking, the moment of the moment. drudgery and yes, despair. Yes, you got it. The walk of despair. <laughs> between, the, <laughs> between the rides or the, or the entertainment, mm-hmm. between whatever you get in entertainment, there's that moment where you share what you just experienced. You laugh, you giggle, and you talk. And then you look at the next thing and you walk over and that's the moment of repose. Mm -hmm. We naturally ebb and flow with our emotions and they go through cycles. You know, thinking about the highs and the lows, what do you think? Shall we talk about the creative team process and emotions in the workplace, Abby? I think that's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Let's jump straight into that. So... Dr. Zorana Pringle, this is another amazing individual who's a great resource when talking about emotions. Zorana comes from the Yale Center for Emotional Experience, where she studies emotion, creativity, and how it is that emotional intelligence can be brought into workplace practices. So Zorana specifies emotions as data. Emotions are not things that are bad or good. Emotions are information that we can use towards productive outcomes. 
So they're psychological. They're also physiological and not to be confused with moods. So moods are longer lasting and moods can be much less intense even than the short-lived emotional reaction or emotional response. Sarana talks about the need for thinking about emotional experiences in our team processes, such as we'll use the example of the classic ideation session, where we take moments to utilize high energy bursts of ideas, output of thoughts, and designed solutions, and then how we can intentionally shift people into a more critical emotional space, more subdued, where we can step back take a look at our ideas from a critical lens. So she says that at this particular point of the process of an ideation session, thinking somewhat pessimistically can even be helpful because we are better at critical thinking when we're a little bit pessimistic. So in other words, we don't want to be happy constantly. You can't ride that high constantly and really be maximally productive. You want to shift the thinking and understanding people's emotions is important to facilitating these shifts. Do you want to talk about how you experience this and how maybe you facilitate these different kinds of shifts with your team? What I do is I bring everybody together, set up what the RFP is or the task or the challenge and let them go away and think because you need time to be creative and they go away and they think and then we bring people together. So there's already been a journey made by each individual down the path. So there's been some thought. And then as they start sharing their ideas with our team, then you want all the voices at the table. Then people can add and build. But we do it in a way that is everybody at the table understands why we're doing it because it's necessary to be successful and to get the results you're looking for. The thing we're not talking about is that there has to be a final decision maker. There has to be a creative director or somebody at the end of the day who goes, no, because, and gives the real reason, not just because I don't like it, but because why they don't think it's going to be the most effective solution. And this one, because this is going to be the most effective solution. Because you need them to understand so that they're better informed for next time when they're coming up with solutions to problems, what the problems really are. And you need them to understand because everybody's got to be on board. It's not about ego. It's not about what I want. It's what we all think is going to be best for the visitor and best for telling the story. And I think as long as everybody can get on board with that and understands that that's where everything's coming from, then it's fantastic. Nobody minds. I think that you're describing so many different emotional states that people must go through throughout this process. It's reminding me of when I was first starting an exhibition development and ideas would be generated and there would be an idea on the table. And if you were lucky, it came from your own brain that just was just gorgeous. It solved the challenge that, you know, created great opportunities. And you would just feel this elation. And my colleague said, well, that's developers high. (laughs) which is such a wonderful thing. And it's wonderful when you've got a room full of people who are brainstorming and you've got this high energy and this synergy that's created. But like you're describing, you necessarily then have to go through those other shifts. And a really talented facilitator can work with leading the creative team through those different emotional states, very much so like you're describing. There's shifts in thinking, And these can really maximize productivity and engagement. That's what a great facilitator knows what to do. You're managing shifts and emotions. Now, you're not manipulating 
okay? But you're managing. And I think in an example about my classes and how I teach and where we might begin in the classroom by exploring, let's say, some exhibition content where we need to be really thoughtful, really careful, and I'll have us working really slow. I'll focus on an empathetic environment, very gentle sharing, especially if we are working on an exhibition where the content is very, maybe it's controversial, maybe it's very sensitive content, whatever it really might be. But then I'll need to shift my students into an ideation work session in response to that content. We're going to really begin going through a brainstorming process, let's say, where we're going to be working on developing out an exhibition space. Now I need to elevate the pace. I need to get folks into quick bursts of ideas, which can lead to a lot of positive chatter. And suddenly the room has a lift in tone. And then we need to take a step back. And we need to think critically about what we just produced and refine the work. So that's yet a different headspace altogether. And it's where I lead the students to make some really tough decisions. And this is very much so what you're describing in the workplace and certainly in your own company. The tone of the room becomes quite serious. And it's supportive. It's respectful. But critical of the ideas. And I have to be very aware as a professor and you as a, you know, a team leader, we need to be very aware of the emotions that folks are experiencing so that we can cover a lot of content, so that we can learn, so that we can grow. Overall, the classes, though, they need to be positive. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's happy and bouncing and giggling and everything else. It means that positive productivity is happening, and that's really critical. You know, I got to say, Abby, sometimes... By the end of a class day, I am like totally exhausted. We're all exhausted because we literally have laughed. We have cried. We have just gone through it all. Kudos to you as well, Brenda, because that's incredible. I've seen you doing it and uh, you give of your all. You are your work. And so, which is why I think you're so successful and you really inspire all of these students. No, it's true. Aww. She's got a hand on her heart, everyone. It's I'm 100% holding my true. little heart, everybody. Um, and anybody who's ever seen Brenda at work and seen the incredible work she produces out of the students at FIT knows I'm right. I think one of the other interesting things is that our projects can last months and then years. And when you're thinking about the emotion of some of the harder stories that we're trying to tell, it's hard. You know, we can't pretend emotions don't exist or that they're always positive. And we know all too well, like how bleak everything can feel when we're all so stressed and tired in our personal life. I really try and my team really tries to play close attention to all our team. We really find ways to comfort each other, motivate each other, calm each other down. It's sort of like this human empathy and understanding which has to go on. It's not just having to go on when you're actually brainstorming or working together. I think it has to go on throughout the relationship in the I'll do air quotes office, whether it be in person or over Zoom. So for all of those leading a team or interacting with clients as well, and we haven't even started to talk about the emotions that <laughs> clients can induce or need to have induced within them. It's often important to channel a very stable, calm, emotional setting for everything. When we're talking about the creative team, clients, the manager, you know, folks might think, well, don't we need to be objective and not emotional in their work? And you know what? We're human. Just like you're describing, people are 
walking, talking, emotional feeling beings. And it's really not possible to leave emotions at the doorstep. And it's all about what we do with these emotions that's really important. So one thing that we can do at the workplace, even with our clients, with our teams that I can do with my students, we can begin a day with an acknowledgement of how people are feeling, asking folks, how are you feeling today, and validating them. So this is something that Sarana talks about and how this can actually lead to what she says are magical results. It provides opportunities for people to help and support each other. Now, there are no guarantees. And, you know, when I think about this, I think about the tremendous amount of trust and vulnerability, you know, involved in having an environment where you can openly do a check-in, do an emotional check-in or a feeling check-in with others. But nevertheless, it can happen well if you cultivate this kind of culture within the workplace and including with clients as well. And if nothing else, this is a better place to operate than being in a very repressed or a very oblivious kind of workplace. I think it starts long before the meeting. It starts understanding that you're hiring a human being and a person and our job is to take care of them as best they can. So that's supporting their needs if they need to leave to go and take care of family members or for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. It's trusting that they're going to get the work that you need them to do done. So it starts there with that trust. And so being empathetic and supportive as an employer to their needs beyond the work is critical. Many years ago, I was a project manager on an exhibition project and I, you know, it was all teamwork and the clients could get very stressed out. And look, we ask a lot of our clients, right? We ask for a lot of suspension of disbelief that this is going to work, that these solutions are going to be really on target and we will, to the best of our ability, stay on budget and, and, you know, the schedule, all of it. We ask a lot of clients. We really do. And I was working on this project team, and we were having a lot of meetings in the midpoint of a project, so there's a lot going on. And there were increasingly conflicts and folks getting very heightened emotionally at the table. And there was just no mystery whatsoever to the client feeling very, you know, irate, very irritated, and folks were starting yeah, to Yeah, get, they, they like to make that clear, right? <laughs> don't well, no mystery. You know? <laughs> so, but it was about the content. And this was, in a way, an opportunity because it just so happens that the project that we were working on was about two historical figures. We were interpreting the story of two historical figures who had a sort of love-hate relationship. Very interesting. It sounds like a fantastic project. It was amazing. Uh, the George Washington Carver Educational Center out in Diamond, Missouri. And at any rate, so we were doing a lot of work about the creative conflicts and how it is ultimately that Carver did brilliant work, even though he was at odds oftentimes with his colleague Booker T. Washington. Everybody agreed on this content. Everybody loved Carver. Everybody loved this story, had very deep-held beliefs in the importance and the positivity of the story. And I found a moment as the manager to take a pause with everybody and talk about the tensions between Washington and Carver and say, we are experiencing the same thing that our two historical figures experienced. 
And they did great things. And I said, we too are going to do great things. And let's put ourselves in a framework of thinking about how it is that when you achieve something really beautiful and really graceful and really important, it can come out of tremendous tension. And it was just one of those moments that, you know, Zorana referred to as magical because it worked. People are only passionate and emotional because they care. Mm -hmm. And goodness me, never lose that. But you're right, how you channel it, and it can be overwhelming for all of us at one point in the process. So just understanding that that moment is going to come and how you deal with it and have compassion and understanding for others in that moment as well. The way you'd like to be treated, treat them. Because I think we all too easily forget. Absolutely. So Abby... How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling fantastic. <laughs> I'm feeling like I really hope we said something today that has helped and sort of even beyond exhibition design and in their daily life understands it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to feel. It's what motivates us, helps us and makes us vulnerable and all that wonderful thing. And most importantly, it's how we grow and experience the world around us. So don't cut yourself off for emotions. Have them. Cry. Laugh be scared, push yourself through. We didn't even talk about fear. We didn't even talk about the emotions. <laughs> but really, um, yes, feel. I would say feel. As soon as you start to go numb, then, you know, that's a really bad thing. So keep feeling everyone out there. Well, listeners, I hope you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, thank you, everybody who tuned in today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe for more episodes of Matters of Experience. Make sure to leave a rating and a review and share with a friend. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Matters of Experience is produced by Lorem Ipsum Corp. and recorded at Hangar Studios. Tune in next time for more fun discussions about experience design.